Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We're talking about familia today. And, and the Lord has just laid some things on my heart that, uh, you know, uh, last year in the month of January and February, I began to talk about growing up and maturing. And, and the Lord shared with me that, that this year we weren't going to let that subject go. Uh, but it's going to tie into the other things that we talk about because they all have to do with, with growing up and maturing. Praise God. Did you, did you realize that God created Adam mature? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't create Adam as a little baby. He created Adam full-grown, mature man. And so, uh, you know, when God is wanting to take us to something, and, you know, he's, he's not trying to get something to us, God never had any problem getting stuff to people. See, sometimes we think God struggles with that. Now, God doesn't struggle with anything. Uh, and he did not. He does not struggle with getting. The, do you realize? You, pe- people say this, and we we've had some messed up ideas sometimes that uh, that just don't line up with the nature and character of who God is. And um, you know, when the children of Israel were in the desert. And between the time they left Egypt and the time they came into the promised land, they're, they're in, a, in, in a desert place that there's, there's, uh, uh, there's no water. And they murmured and they complained. Now, doesn't that sound like great faith? Murmuring and complaining? All right. The reason I said that is because God got water to them even though they murmured and complained. It wasn't their great faith that God... There wasn't any faith there. They thought they were going to die out there in the wilderness. And God provided water for them, even though all they did is complain. Do you realize that they wondered, oh, so what are we going to eat out here? So God sent manna. And then they ended up calling the manna worthless, this worthless manna. We eat this stuff every day, and we're tired of this worthless manna. And what did God do? He showed up and provided quail for them. And step by step, every time that, you know, when they're standing on the, on the, on the banks of the Red Sea, they're complaining murmuring and complaining and griping uh, because, well, Moses, you just brought us out here in this wilderness to kill us. God parts the Red Sea. There is no faith on their part, yet God provided everything they had need of. And, you know, uh, we need to take a lesson from that. God doesn't have any trouble getting stuff to you. But he's not just trying to get stuff to you. He's trying to get you to a place. Now, there is a place when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, 
The Bible tells us that that day the manna ceased. Why? Because they entered into a land that was flowing, the Bible says, with milk and honey. It was a land of abundance. God's wanting to take us to a place of abundance. His best will for your life is not for you to believe from miracle to miracle. His best will for your life is for you to walk in continuous provision. Hallelujah. And we could carry that over into every area of your life. God's will for your life is not for you to... See, many people seem to be in this cycle. Well, I sin, then I confess my sins, and then I get forgiven, and then I continue on with God and until tomorrow when I sin again, and then I get, confess my sins again, and then I get forgiven again. And this is a cycle that people go through over and over and over and over in their lives. And then the devil begins to mess with your head, and he begins to tell you, well, God didn't really forgive you because you did that too many times, and there's a limit to God's mercy and a limit to his, his, his grace and a limit to his favor. My Bible tells me that his mercy is renewed every day. Praise God. My Bible tells, if, if you're going to claim to be a word person, you're going to have to believe what the word says, right? The word says that his mercies are renewed every morning. Praise God. Praise God. And so, you know, that doesn't mean we ought to live that way from forgiveness to forgiveness to forgiveness to forgiveness. See, he wants to bring us to a place where we don't need a miracle. He wants to bring us to a place where we don't need to be forgiven every day. Praise God. He wants us to live in a certain way and come to a certain place in our lives where even though he will always forgive you, his, his forgiveness, I, I love it the way that Joseph Prince says, he says, I'm standing under a waterfall of forgiveness. I live under this waterfall, this continuous waterfall that is continuously cleansing me by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is a waterfall over your life of forgiveness. Praise God. Praise God. Now, you know, we used to worry about things like this. Well, what happens if... Um, what happens if I commit a sin and I don't get a chance to repent of that sin and to confess that sin and Jesus comes back? Anybody ever worry about that? At any point in your life, I don't mean now, you know, you know, you know better now, okay? But I mean any point in your life that you ever worried about, well, I, I did this and what if I didn't have a chance to confess my sin and Jesus comes back? Am I going to hell? Hmm. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a valid question. But if you know the truth, the truth is that the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you from every sin. It continually cleanses you. Praise God. That doesn't mean you go out and say, okay, well, I'll just go live in sin. I'll just do whatever I want to do. That's not what that means. You see, that, that's, that's a person that is, that is really, you say you're under grace, but that describes a person that's not under grace. That describes a person don't even know what grace is. That describes a person that, that they think they're under grace, but really they're living according to the flesh. But let, let's, just, let's just go in. God's trying to bring us to a place where all of his goodness just comes upon us. Did, did not he say this, that if you would hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do all these commandments that I said to do, you know, that these blessings would come upon you and overtake you? You don't have to go looking for the blessing. But here's what he said. You know, that was an old covenant passage of Scripture. But the Bible says we have a new and better covenant established upon a better 
promise. You see, the problem with that old one was nobody could keep all the commandments. But God knew that, and from the very beginning, the Bible calls Jesus the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So in the very beginning, God had in mind because he knew you couldn't keep all those commandments. And so he already decided, I am sending Jesus. So in the mind of God, it was a done deal. Praise God, that Jesus would come and he would perfectly keep every jot and tittle, every, every little detail of the law. He would perfectly fulfill it and then he would count it to you. Now that, that's why it's a new and better covenant because you're, you're coming into a covenant that's already been fulfilled. Hallelujah. Jesus perfectly satisfied the justice of God on your behalf. He didn't do it on his. He didn't need to do it. He did it on your behalf. Praise God. Praise God. Now, does everybody want to just go sin today? No, that doesn't make anybody want to go sin. Or it shouldn't. What it, ought to, what it does is it makes you want to be better than you would be otherwise. It makes you want to, it, it, it makes you want to love Jesus. It makes you want to serve Jesus. See, God's not demanding that you serve him. He's, he, he wants you to serve him because you love him. Because you want to serve him. Praise God. You know, why do you give your children Christmas gifts? Because they demand it? No, I hope not. You give them Christmas gifts because you love them. Because you want to bless them. God is a father. We're talking about family here. He is the head of the family. He is the father of the family. He is the, the one from which this family originated. Praise God. Praise God. And this is what he wants to do for you. And your response back to him is that you want to reciprocate that back to him. Everything you have, he gave you, so you want to just give it back to him. Praise God. You want to just, he gave you strength. He gave you ability. He gave you talents. He gave you resources. And you want to turn around and say thank you by giving them back to him. Praise God. By using them to, to show your love and your gratitude towards him. Praise God. God's bringing us to something. Adam was created mature. So he wants to take you back to that original place where you were created to be. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Do you realize that God never wanted to run this place? Now, I realize that that, that kind of checks some people's religious mentality that, you know, well, God, he's God, and he just, he's in control of everything. God doesn't want to be in control. That's why he said, you have dominion. You be in control. You run this place. Now, you only can do that as you recognize that that authority came from him. You know, that's, that's how it works. But he's not wanting to run the, the earth. He wants you to run it. Praise God. He wants you to be in charge. Hallelujah. And he wants to be father. He wants to be the proud father who looks on his Children that are running the family business. Praise God. 
Praise God. Now, get this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 10. Remember I said this. I said God's wanting to bring us to something. Hebrews 2, verse number 10 says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to something. What does it say? In bringing many sons to glory. glory. He's trying to bring you to something, to that place of glory. You realize that God, you know, people love to quote this scripture, well, God won't share his glory with anybody. Well, no, there's a glory he created for you. It's your glory. He wants to bring you to that place of your glory. Hallelujah. Now, he says, bringing many sons to glory to make the captain, so there's somebody who's the captain, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, the captain of your salvation is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. So you've got to respond properly to the captain. Praise God. But nonetheless, the captain is bringing you into a place of glory. And in that place of glory, you know, everything for Adam and Eve was, was there. It, it, it was all there. Do you realize they did not need to ask God for anything? Because God already knew what they needed, and he already provided it. He put it in the garden, and he said, there it is. Just go take care of it. Take care of it and enjoy it. That's what he said. You, you take care of it. I put this all here for you. You just receive this as my blessing to you. You just enjoy what I have created. Praise God. Praise God. Now, in verse 11, he says, for both he who sanctifies and he and, and those who are being sanctified are all one. Did you get that? The one who sanctifies, who's that? That's Jesus. And the ones who are being sanctified, that's you and I. Praise God. And he says, they're all one. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you realize that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother, his sister? You know, well, of course, we're not, we're not talking about a, a, a gender thing here. So when I say brother, I'm talking about mankind, all right, the human race. I'm talking about people, praise God. And so, you know, we're not going to get all weird in this and, and start, well, you know, we're just not going to do that. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These are the sons of God. Oh, but I thought there was, you know, Jesus is the only Son of God. No, He's not. He is not. He is not the only Son of God. He was the only Son of God. He was the only begotten Son of God. But after he rose from the dead, he, start, he is never again called the only begotten Son of God. He is at that point, it changed, and he is now called the firstborn from the dead. He is now called the firstborn among many brethren. So what do you call the brothers of the son? 
sons. What does what the father call the, the, the brothers of the son? Son. I mean, you know, I promise you I am not going crazy. And I promise you I am not preaching heresy to you this morning. What do you call the brothers? It says he's not ashamed to call you brothers. So what does the father call the brothers of the oldest son? Son. Wow. You need to get that. This is family stuff here. You know, how many of you have, have told your younger brother, you know, well, you're not really a son. Now, some of you might have said that to be mean, but, you know, but you knew better. You knew this is your father's son also. Praise God. And so, you know, Jesus is not ashamed to call you. It's not taking anything away from Jesus for him to call you brother. It's not taking anything away from Jesus for father to call you son. That is not taking anything away from or in any way diminishing anything that Jesus has done. We recognize that if Jesus had not gone to the cross and if he had not paid for your sin, you wouldn't be a son. We realize that. It's not taking anything away from what he did for Father God to call you son. Hallelujah. It always amazes me how stupid religion can be. You know, I mean, they'll call him Father God, but you can't say I'm his son. You know, what, what is that? That just doesn't even make sense. Well, he is the firstborn among many brethren, but we can't say that we're sons of God because that would be blasphemy. Religion just, you know, you just need to just scrap all that stuff and just throw it away because it will only, it will only hold you in bondage. That's all it will do for you is hold you in bondage. So you got to get rid of all that junk. Now, Galatians chapter, oh, no, 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 let me, Romans chapter 9. Remember the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we, we just use that, that is a, a rule for scriptural interpretation, is we don't accept anything as being a fact Biblically, unless we can back it up with two or three or more scriptures. So we're going to overdo it a little bit. So let's go to Romans chapter 9, verse number 26. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about those who are, it said, you are not my people. He's talking about the Gentiles. That, that's you and I. He's talking about the Gentiles. It was said of them, they are not my people. But he said, in that place, he said that they shall be called the sons of the living God. He says, Gentiles will be called sons of the living God. Hallelujah. Sons, plural, of the living God. God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse number 6, verse 6. And, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That's Daddy, Father. Praise God. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, when we read that, I've read this many years like this, many, many times, read it, read it like this, till we all come to the unity of the faith and, uh, and of the knowledge of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, that's true, and there is nothing wrong with that because that is an accurate statement. We all want to come to the knowledge of Jesus, the Son of God. But let me throw something else in here that is also true. He wants you to come to the knowledge of what it means that you are a son of God. Do you get that? Let me read that again with, with that kind of an understanding. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, he's talking about he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints uh, until we all grow up into the measure of the fullness of Christ. But here he says, uh, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the knowledge of Jesus, but to the knowledge of what it means for you to be called a son of God. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to understand who you are. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I remember, I remember being uh, as just a little kid. You know, my, my oldest brother was... 13 years older than me. And so by the time I'm two, three years old, he's, he's 15, 16, you know, uh, 17 years old. And uh, he was, and I got a, a younger brother that's two years younger than me. And so to us, he was like a hero to us. He wasn't one of us. He was a hero to us. You know, he's, he's like a, a, an adult to us, and we looked up to him, and we, uh, for lack of a better term, we idolized him. We wanted to be like him. We wanted, you know, we wanted to do everything he did. We wanted to comb our hair like he combed his. We wanted to talk like him. We wanted to dress like him. We wanted, you know, we just wanted to, he was a hero to us. He wasn't just one of us. But the older I got, the more I began to realize he's one of us. Or to flip that over, begin to realize we're the same thing he is. Praise God. He's a son. He's the oldest son, but I'm also a son. Praise God. And I began to realize that he wasn't some kind of a different type of being than what I am. He was the same type of being. He, you know, despite the fact that he was many years older, we were all sons of Father David O'Neill Shirley. Praise God. And the more we grow up, We'll grow out of that stage where we think of Jesus as some kind of a different kind of something being than we are. We begin to grow up. We begin to realize that he is just the firstborn among many brethren. You are created to be just like him. That is not heresy. God said that from the very beginning. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. He didn't create a different kind of being and call you sons. 
No, he created the same kind of being that he is. And you are the glory of him. You are the reflection of him. You are the express image. The Bible says of Jesus, it says that he is the express image of his person. Talking about the, the Father. That Jesus was the express image of his person. You are the express image of his person. Praise God. But you got to know who you are. This is family stuff. Praise God. Praise God. Do you realize, do you, do you realize that's what racism really is? Is thinking that some other human being is some kind of a lesser human being because of their race? That, that's the very root of what racism is. And I'm here to tell you, your father is not racist. He doesn't think you are some kind of a lesser being. Now, you're never going to be him. He's always father, always will be father. Your earthly father, you can never become him. You can imitate him, you can, be just, you can be exactly like him, but you will never be him. God is God, he will always be God. You are not taking anything away from God to say that you are created in his image and in his likeness, you are like him. That is not taking anything away from God. Yet religion will tell you that you're diminishing who God is. No, you are expressing the greatness of God, that he was able to create another being and he He's not insecure about you. He's not worried about you. He wants you to know who, he is, who you are. Praise God. He wants you to know that. And he wants you to behave like that. Praise God. Why does, you know, we, we said this so many times around here. Why does God hate sin? Because sin hurts you. That's true. That's true. But I, as, as I've been studying on this, getting in, I begin to realize something. God hates sin because sin means you are, in, in that area of your life, you're unlike him. Because there's no sin in him. He, he doesn't have an evil thought. He doesn't have ungodly behavior because, I mean, he's God. How can God have ungodly behavior? So when you have ungodly behavior, the reason, it's not like God gets upset, oh, I don't like that. I, I just don't like to see that. I just don't, you know, God's not, that, that's not how he is. The ultimate thing for God is for you to be exactly like him. That's what he said. That's what he created you for. And when you behave in a different way other than that, he's, you're not living up to what you are. You were created for better than that. You were created for more than that. Think of what he is. That's what he created you for. Praise God. Praise God. Now, some, you know, I just don't see how you can read your Bible and miss that. You got to you got to think that these scriptures just mean something else. Now, he says that you grow up to the perfect man. That's the mature man. That's the mature individual. That's what he wants you to grow up to be. To the measure of the stature of the halfness of Christ. Now, what what was that? Fullness that's what it said, fullness of Christ. He wants you to grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. You gotta get that. Get that religious garbage out of your head because it will never religion will never allow you to be what God created you to be. 
You know, we've, we've tried to make God all kinds of things. We've, we've tried to make him an idol. We put him on a pedestal and say, well, this is, this is God. Oh, let's all look. No, he wants to be father. You come and sit down on his lap. You come into his presence. You come in and you, you, you fellowship with him. Well, I thought we were supposed to come in and worship him. Do you realize fellowshipping with him is worship to him? Praise God. You come into the presence of Father because you want to be. That's, that's the ultimate worship. Praise God. You know, we tried to make him a paymaster. Paymaster is, well, if I do this to make him happy, then he owes me this. You know. We, we, we tried to make him the paymaster that if we do this and we do this and we do this, then you said you would do this and this and this. And under the old covenant, he was a paymaster. But that's not what he wants to be to you. You're under a new covenant established upon better promises. Better promises is he's daddy. Praise God. He's Father. He loves you. He doesn't owe you. He loves you. Get that out of your head. God doesn't owe you anything. God loves you. Praise God. Praise God. And, and this, this is maturity. This is growing up. Now, get this. Let's go to Ephesians 4. And, and we know that Ephesians 4 talks about, in, back in verse 11, he talks about he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. You know, and, and he talks about all those things in, in uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. He's talking about those things. And then he goes into verse number 17. And verse number 17 starts de describing some things to you. They're all related. Paul did not shift gears here and start talking about something different. He's talking about that Jesus gave these gifts until we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. And then he goes on and he says in verse 17, and this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. This I say, therefore. Therefore means because of something I previously said. What did he previously say? He previously said that he gave gifts to equip us to become and to grow into the measure of the stature of Christ. And because of that, he says, I testify that you should no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles. I created you to, to rise to a higher level than that. Praise God. Praise God. And then he says uh, that the rest of the Gentiles, he tells how they walk in the futility of their mind. Now, as we read through this, I want you to notice how many times he talks about the mind. He says, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding. Where do you, where's the seat of understanding? In your mind. All right. So he says, they have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance is a product of your mind not being educated or not being equipped. All right, so he's still talking about the mind and because of the ignorance that is in them. Because, in other words, because they don't know who they are. Because, he does, because they don't know who they were created to be. They, they are ignorant. How many Christians are still walking around? And he's, he's got to tell you, don't walk like that. Reason he tells you not walk, not to walk like that is because most Christians are walking like that. He says, "So don't walk this way. Don't walk in the futility of your mind. Don't walk according to the the ignorance." How do you do something about ignorance? Ignorance is real easy. Used to have a you know I used to teach high school and there was a high school teacher that. Uh, 
teachers would all be in the teacher's lounge before school started, and this one teacher, every, every single day, he would be sitting there, and it would, be, it would come time he needed to go to his classroom. And so he would always get up and pull his pants up, you know, and he'd say, well, it's time to go stamp out ignorance. How are you going to stamp out ignorance? By education. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's what he was he saying. You don't need to walk like the rest of the Gentiles. They, they walk in ignorance. They don't know. He said, so we're going to educate you. We gave these fivefold ministry gifts to educate you, to equip you to stamp out ignorance. Praise God. Now he says, uh, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. In other words, their heart is blind, so they can't see. And then he goes on in verse 19, he says, Who being past feeling, that's product of your mind, they have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn that from Christ is what he's saying. You didn't learn that from Christ. That's not what you learned about Him. That's not what you learned from Him. Praise God. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now, verse 22, we get into something. I, I've, been, I, I've been excited for several days now about getting to this verse number 22. So, are you ready? This is what I've been excited about for days now. All right, so here we go. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The word concerning in the Greek is the word kata, K-A-T-A, kata. And this word kata describes something that comes down upon you. Or we could say something that is handed down to you. That, that flowed down to you. You got some things that, and, and this word also describes it's something you can't do anything about. You didn't choose it. You didn't, you, know, you, you didn't get this because it's something you prayed for and asked for. No, this is something that just descended upon you. It just came up on you, and it controls, it dominates you. It has power over you. And here's what he says. That, you know, and, and this is what this is like. You, the color of your eyes, you kata, it is concerning. It came upon you, descended upon you. You got it handed down to you from your parents. Kata. Your general physical build probably came to you, kata, your parents. You know, Izzy was at the house the other day, and I told her, I said, you're getting to be such a big girl. And then I told Susan, I said, there's not much of a chance that she could actually get very big. <laughs> but, you know, because her parents are both small. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You, you can see. But, you know... The, <laughs> Izzy is not likely to be 6'4". But, um, you know, there are certain things you got that it came upon you because of your parents. Your race is because of your parents. You didn't choose it. Your parents didn't choose it for you. It just came because of who your parents are, because, and it descended upon, it caught upon you. That's what this word means. So now let's go back and let's see this word, verse 22. You put off 
the things that of your former conduct that came upon you kata from your parents. Praise God. But he's not even directly talking about the previous generation. He's talking about this came kata because of Adam. He says that you put off your former conduct, the things that came kata upon you because you were the offspring of Adam. And then he says, but notice what he said. He said, you got to put it off. We can't just put something off. You got to put something back on in its place. Now, here he says, you, you put off kata, the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Once again, he's talking about the mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then he says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. According to, those two words put together are from the word kata. So, he actually uses this word kata three times in these, in these verses. He says that you put off the old man which grows uh, corrupt according to deceitful lust, or that comes upon you because of deceitful lust, and the deceitful lust came upon you because of the old man that came that was descended on you from Adam. And then he says, but you got to put on this new man, and now notice what he says about the new man, which was created according to God, or kata. God. You see that? You put on the new man which was created kata God. You got some things that were passed down to you from Adam, but he says, put those things off and now put on the things that were handed down to you from God. And here's what came down to you from God. True righteousness and holiness. That's what was handed down to you from God. It is not something you are trying to get. It is something that by virtue of the fact that you have been born of God, you have been born again, it descended upon you from Him. You became righteous not because you did some things to become righteous. You became righteous because righteousness descended upon you from Father God. And you got to know it. You got to know it. That is my job to help you know it. Praise God. You received some things that descended upon you the moment you said, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross for me and that you paid for my sins, that you died there on that cross, paying in full for my sins, and you rose again from the dead so that I could have new life, and I choose you today to be my Lord and my Savior. That moment, righteousness descended upon you, and true holiness descended upon you on you and there is a reason though why Paul says you got to put off the old and you got to put on the new because there is a choice and it has to do with he says the being renewed in the spirit of your mind as long as you don't know it your mind thinks you still are that old man 
And so he still acts like the old man. But as soon as you begin to realize you're not that old man anymore, you are a new creation in Christ. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And as soon as you begin to realize who you are and what you were created to be, then everything begins to change. That old man begins to vanish away and the new man starts showing up on the outside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is some stuff right here. Now get this. Get this. When you let that old man hang, hang around, here's what happens. Let's suppose, let's suppose that a woman is married for a number of years. Great marriage, godly marriage, married to a godly man. One day, that godly husband of hers dies. After he dies, in his memory, she still keeps the wedding picture of them when they, you know, they had that first kiss when the, when the minister said, you may now kiss your bride, and they had that first kiss, and it was captured in a, in a photograph, and she keeps that photograph on the nightstand next to her bed. And she goes along, she's, you know, she's not even thinking about remarrying, but one day as the process of time goes on, she meets another godly man. And this Man, you know, they, they become, they begin to go out to dinner. They begin to, to, to build a friendship. And then they begin to, to build a relationship. And they start talking about getting married. And, uh, you know, they maintain a godly, sexually pure relationship. And, you know, and, uh, and everything is, is uh, according to the Word of God. And they're living their lives in that way. And so eventually he proposes and they get married. And they, you know, as, as married couples do, they move in together. And as married couples do, they have intercourse. But she refuses to take that picture of the first wedding off the nightstand. She thinks that if she takes that picture away, she is disrespecting her first husband. And so she keeps that picture there in his memory. And every time they start to make love... She glances over and sees that picture. And she cannot bring herself to give herself to her new husband. And so that begins to become a problem. And she feels guilty. She, she feels like she's cheating on her first husband. Even though the scripture says that she's not under law to that husband anymore because he died. And scripture makes it perfectly okay for a widow to remarry. And so, but every time she withholds from her new husband because of the picture that is sitting over there. You see... That's how that old man stares at us. He says, this is who you used to be. Jesus is saying, you have been joined to me. I want you for mine. But you're saying, no, but, but I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just can't really give myself totally to you because, you know, well, you know what I am. You know how I am. You know that, that this is what I used to be. You know this. And you keep that memory. Many people are living out of a memory of the old man. And because they're living out of a... That, that old man won't let you hear what I'm preaching to you this morning. 
He won't let you hear that. He won't let you hear that you were created in Christ Jesus to be exactly like Father God. He won't let you hear that because he's saying, this is what you used to be. This is what you were. You know, you know that, you know, for you to, to say that you're like God, well, that's blasphemy. You can't say stuff like that. And that old man, even though he's just a memory, Bible says he's passed away. And all things have become new. Though he's passed away, his, from, from the picture of him, he's still screaming at you saying, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't be that. That's not who you are. That's not how you should behave. You shouldn't think that. You're thinking too highly of yourself. That old man is still screaming that at you. And he won't let you give yourself completely to Jesus. But Jesus is saying, you need to put that picture away. You need to get rid of that picture. You need to put my picture on the nightstand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Because I have created you a new creation in Christ. That's not who you are anymore. So put that away. And the, the moment... Man... Wow, the moment, the very moment you put that old man away and you put on the new man, you put Jesus' picture on the nightstand, then you begin to see who you are. You begin to see that you are not committing adultery against your old husband, the old law and the old commandments that says you have an allegiance to him, you now have an allegiance to the new husband you have been joined to, which is the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you will never grow up and you will never mature till you put that picture away. In fact, you're going to struggle until you put that picture away. You're going to struggle. I'm telling you that right now. You're going to struggle. That's not a, that, that's not a, a, a speculation. I could say it's prophecy because it is. It, it's prophetic that you are going to struggle unless you get rid of that picture of that old man. But the moment you do, there is going to come a freedom there is going to come a joy in your life. You're going to begin to walk into air. Now, I, I, I challenge you this morning. I'm going to ask that the house lights be brought down because I want to, I want to help you get your focus on your new husband. I want you to get your focus on that new husband, Christ, Jesus. Begin to focus on him. Let, let the, the darkness in the room help you to get your eyes off that old picture, to put that old picture of who you used to be, to put it away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I, I, almost, I almost said, come if you, you know, we'll, we'll lay hands on you. And pray. But no, he says you got to put that off by the renewing of your mind. And so, in other words, if I had tried to lay hands on you and get rid of that old picture, it would have been in vain. Because this is something you've got to start, and you've got to start it right now. Praise God. You've got to start right now re being renewed in the Spirit. You've got to choose to refuse to hear any of the talk from that old man's picture. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and realize who you, this is family. This is family. This is what you were created to be. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there will come such a freedom. There will come such a freedom in your life. God, we're just quiet before you right now, Father.
Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Start revealing Jesus. Start revealing the firstborn, the one that they were created to be like. telling you there is an anointing in the room right now an anointing to empower you see when that bride gets up and she decides okay I'm going to put this picture away she picks it up and she looks at it and she just stands there for a moment just looking at it she starts to put it in the drawer, and then she pauses for a minute and pulls it back. This is, what's, this is what it's like, you see. We, we, just, one, just one more look. Just one more look. No, 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 no. Put that picture away. Put that picture away. You're not married to that anymore. Put that picture away. And do it now, the sooner the better. Don't let that picture be ingrained anymore into your thinking. Put the picture away. Trash can is the better place for it. Where you can't retrieve it. See, because if you just put it in the drawer, you can go back to the drawer tomorrow and pull it out and look at it again. You got to put that thing in the trash can and carry out the trash. It's not being disrespectful to that old husband. There was value in the law. There was value in it. It did some, you know, the, the apostle Paul says, so is, is the law, is it evil? He says, no, the law is good. The, the, the law was good, but it's not the time for the law anymore. You've moved beyond that. That old law, it, the scripture calls it that which was passing away. Hallelujah. They put a veil over Moses' face when he received the law. And it says that the law that was passing away was glorious. It was glorious. That marriage to that first husband was glorious. But that one is over. Praise God. It is passed away. And grace has come in His place. Hallelujah. You are now married to another whose name is Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be pulling that picture out tomorrow. Hallelujah. Wow. I'm telling you, Jesus is doing something in the house right now. Mm. Now your new husband's saying this, I want to provide for you. I want to take care of you. I want to supply every need. I want to take good care of you. I'll take better care of you than you've ever been taken care of or ever could be taken care of. This is what Jesus, the new husband, is saying to you. Hallelujah. You got to let me Take care of you.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah, the, the Lord told me a while ago and I looked up and you were gone. So I'll tell you now. And he said, tell you, you made the right decision. No going back. No looking back. You made the right decision. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. He wants to He wants to receive you right now. We, and all you have to do, you know, it's it's like we've been talking about that marriage. You've been married to that old man. Jesus is saying, I want you to say I do to me. Hallelujah. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation if you've never received Jesus as your savior right now just say this after me and we're at the end of this we're going to say amen which means so be it when you say so be it and according to God's word you will be instantly saved if you mean what you're saying if you don't mean it nothing's going to happen but if you mean what you're saying, you will be saved. So let's say this together. Praise God. Say, God in heaven. Let's all say it together. I believe that you went to the cross and paid for my sins. You paid the penalty in full. And then you rose again from the dead so I could have new life. Jesus, I put my trust in you for my salvation. I choose you. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. Amen.